You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Big Idea Friday, which means you'll be hearing Sangram share a specific concept that has transformed the way he lives his life and leads his business. Like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Sangram here. Welcome to another episode of Flip My Funnel Podcast. Today, I have someone who I have admired for a great deal. He came from just an introduction from a good friend of mine, Dwayne Cummings, who was also interviewed on the podcast. And he said, hey, Bob is awesome. You got to check his workout. I'm like, okay, let me go check it out. I fell in love with the work that Bob is doing. He has a book series called Go Giver, and it's all about just giving. So I'm going to have him share more about it. But here's a quote from Marshall Goldsmith that is written on his website and the book, which is, this may be the most important go-giver book yet. And in today's polarized world, it could not be more timely. And I, I want everybody to soak in that is that in this world where giving and receiving and getting everything is just so polarized. I feel like this message is probably going to warm some hearts. So, Bob, welcome to the show. Well, thanks, Sangram. It's so great to finally get to speak with you in person. We spoke a little bit online and so forth, but really great to to speak with you. And Dwayne had such fantastic things to say about you. And he's really one of my heroes. And so, you know, it really was quite a great thing when he said, Bob, you've got to meet this guy. He's fantastic. Oh, man, it's a mutual. Dwayne is mine, too. So let's start with a fun fact about yourself. Fun fact. Okay, let's see. Well, I was going to say I'm very introverted, which surprises people because they, they assume I'm extroverted. I'm not. Maybe I'm not sure if that's a fun fact. How about that I that I run on Dunkin' Coffee? Um, and not that I need coffee to wake up. I don't need it to wake up, and I it doesn't keep me up when I drink it at night. I just really enjoy it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's so interesting. So I grew up in India, and I'm used to drinking chai. And it has 100% been a habit. And it's not like it keeps me up or late or anything. It is 100% a habit thing or just makes me feel good. Well, Dunkin' Donuts, same with me because I grew up, I live in Florida now, but I grew up in the greater Boston area, which is Dunkin' Donuts home, right? So Dunkin' Donuts is everywhere. So I think in a sense, you know, it's like a comfort type of thing for me. When I see the, the, the Dunkin' sign, I just want that coffee and, you know, and I just enjoy doing my work with a cup of Dunkin' coffee. And yeah, isn't it funny how our, how we're wired in certain ways and there's so much, you know, Dan Ariely wrote a book called Predictably Irrational. Yeah. Which was a great book. And isn't it so true how we are irrational and yet it's so predictable that we are. A hundred percent. You know, it's one more thing before we get into the book. Uh, You made me think about this. I always feel, and and tell me if this is true about you and the experience that you have in this, I almost feel that I I end up making a decision and then I convince myself that the decision is right. Uh, Oh, well, that's absolutely true. There's so much science and psychology to that. And, you know, and what do we always say just in in sales? We make our decisions emotionally and then we back them up with logic. We rationalize, which simply means we tell ourselves rational lies. Yes. You know, we do that in order to justify that emotion based yeah. decision. So yeah, sure. Absolutely. Love it. All right, Bob. So one, one of uh, the things that I really wanted to get, uh, get us talking about is this idea of go-giver. Well, let's start with like, what got you to write about go-giver? Why is this such a big idea for you? And then anybody listening to this, 
We have a lot of leadership folks, people in the leadership roles, marketing and sales. Um, and I, I don't feel when I read it, I didn't feel this was only for sales. I felt like this was a leadership book that every person who aspires or thinks uh, or is in a leadership position should read. So I was just curious, what drove you to write this book? Yeah, well, years and years ago, I had my, my first kind of major book was called Endless Referrals, Network Your Everyday Contacts into Sales. It was a how-to book on how people could, uh, you know, people who, who had a product or service, they believed in what they did, they understood the value it brought to others, but they didn't feel comfortable in terms of developing the kind of relationships with people that led to what I call the know, like, and trust relationships yeah. that are so necessary for, for business and referral. So it was really a how-to book along those, those lines. But I'd always loved reading parable, right? Short stories. I think we all know that, that, that stories connect with people. And, you know, there's the old saying, uh, facts tell, stories sell. But as my great co-author, John David Mann says, and I love this wisdom from me, he said, you know, it's not so much that stories sell, stories connect. And it's once you have that connection, now the selling can begin. Now there's a heart to heart, you know, situation, whether we're talking leadership or whether we're talking sales or whether we're talking social or, you know, what, what have you. Okay. Yeah. So I'd always read parables, always enjoyed them and thought, what if we could take the basic premise of endless referrals, which was that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust and put that into a parable form. So really what I kind of ask myself is, so, so what is it then that what's the, the major characteristic of someone who's able to develop those no like, and trust relationships quickly, but sustainably. Okay. Yeah. And really what it is, is they're always giving, they're yeah. always giving value to others. So once I kind of had the basic idea, and I mean a very rough, rough idea, there was no story to it at that point. It was simply, I asked John David Mann, and when I say I asked John David Mann, I mean I pleaded with John David Mann <laughs> to be the lead writer and storyteller. Love to hear how you got him to, to write this yeah. book. So John at the time, uh, you know, very few people knew outside of a very specific niche. But those within that niche knew how brilliant he was. And he'd been behind a couple of really big selling books, a noted great storyteller. And he was the editor-in-chief for a magazine I was writing a monthly column for. And every time I would submit my column, you know, John would write back as editors do with the edits and everything. And, you know, usually you don't have a whole lot of control over that. And, and sometimes there's even a back and forth kind of, you know, please don't leave my best stuff on the editing room floor. You know, but John, first of all, was always so humble and so gracious when he would send back the edits and he'd say, you know, I did this here. I did this. Is this okay? Is this? And the, the running joke became that every week I'd, or every month I'd write him back and say, John, not only is it okay, you write my stuff better than I write my stuff. Yeah. And I, I just knew that his, his heart, his spirit and his ability, I mean, you know, Oh, he was the guy I wanted to be the lead writer and storyteller on this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at first he wasn't going to do it. In fact, he was about to head to Hollywood. He was going to be a screenwriter. That oh. was the next phase of his career. And he said to Anna, his fiance at the time, now his wife, he said, you know, I really don't want to take on another project, but you know, it's Bob. I mean, how can I not at least <laughs> 
you know, hear them out. So they were in uh, Tampa on the other side of the state from me visiting her mom at the time, uh, you know, who had a place there. And so they actually drove across state. We had about a four hour dinner just discussing, you know, what the book would be about, what we hoped it would do, the difference we hoped it would make. And about three weeks later, he called me and said, you know, Anna and I discussed it. We're going to do it. Let's do this. So the funny thing is, is from the, and the go-giver got off to a very fast start, fortunately. And John sort of became that guy who the publishers and the agents, when they had someone, a celebrity or a big business person who they wanted to have write a book, they asked John to be the co-author or the ghostwriter. So you can go into a bookstore anywhere and you'll see 10, you know, New York Times bestsellers with John that sometimes he's not even on the cover. But what he always says to people is that Bob Berg, he ruined my Hollywood career. Because he got so busy after the go-giver came out. He got, you know, in such demand. It was like he couldn't leave and he didn't want to because he does love writing and, and, you know, this is, it's in his wheelhouse. I love that story. It also shows to me that you really cared and wanted to make sure that his name is out there too. It wasn't like you not want him on the the book and stuff. You actually made sure that he's on the book. You made sure that he's part of this. So that, that tells me a lot about you. Help Every keynote that I've listened for years, like, and again, a huge fan since Dwayne introduced us, you talked about this idea of shifting from getting to giving. And when I talk to salespeople and when I, when I'm, if I'm a salesperson right now, like I'm thinking like, okay, yeah, I mean, I have to meet my quota. I have to meet my numbers. Like I don't have a job if I don't get the deal done, right? The getting is such a thing like, that's like, oh, if you're a salesperson, you're good at getting stuff right? That kind of thing. And you talk about that note by giving, actually you can have a more financially profitable. Right. And like, can you unpack that for a little bit? Yeah. And I, and I love that question because it's basically the entire premise. Yeah. And it's simply that shifting your focus. Now, this is the key, shifting your focus from getting to giving. Now, when we say giving in this context, because it's always so important to define the term, right? When we say giving in this context, we simply mean constantly and consistently providing value to others. And understanding that doing that's not only a, a pleasant way of conducting business, it's the most financially profitable way of all. Why? Well, because, you know, and I'll say this a lot of times, and I say it jokingly, of course, not dogmatically, but jokingly, when I begin a program, when I speak at a sales conference, I'll say, nobody's going to buy from you because you have a quota to meet, (laughs) right? They're not going to buy from you because you need the money. And they're not even going to buy from you because you're a really nice person who believes in what you do. They're going to buy from you because they believe they will be better off by doing so than by not doing so. And in a free market-based economy in which we live, when I say free market, I simply mean no one is forced to do business with anyone else. They do business on their, of their own volition. So in a free market-based economy, that's the only reason why anyone should buy from any of us. Now, what this does is it means that if we want the sale, we're gonna have to put ourselves, we're gonna have to place the customer's interest first because they're only buying for that reason. So when you think about it, what is selling? Well, selling by definition is simply discovering what the other person wants, needs, desires, and helping them to get it. In order to do that, our focus has got to be on them. This is why John and I say that money is simply an echo of value. 
Huh. Uh, it's the thunder, if you will, to values lightning. In other words, the value comes first. That must be the focus. Okay. I mean, for totally self-interested reason as a salesperson, the most self-interested thing you can do is put the other person's interest first, because that's the only reason why they're going to buy from you. And it's the only reason why they should. I love that. I mean, it's, uh, I think I've heard a um, huge fan of Andy Stanley. You're based in Atlanta. And uh, he, I think he said one of his podcasts where that, it is probably the most selfish thing to do to be selfless, uh, <laughs> because, you know, it, it, because it, it literally, you know, you will get 10 times over because you are sad because everybody around you, it, it's a very hard thing to do. But if you really t- tune into that, it is actually the most selfish thing to do is to be selfless. And right. you're echoing that thought process here in a big way. Well, that's a nice compliment because Pastor Stanley is certainly, uh, you know, very, very wise man and very prolific. Yeah, no doubt. One of the things you have also talked about is that if you are talking about price, you are becoming a commodity and you're selling commodities. If you're, yeah, if you're selling on price, yeah. If, if, you're, if, if you're making price the thing, right? Because, you know, because here's the thing. We live now, in, you know, our, our technology is pretty much leveled off the plane. I mean, most products and services are pretty much the same. Yeah. This, yeah. And so if a prospective customer sees no significant difference between any two or more products or services or salespeople, they're always going to go with who has the lowest price. It's just very, very natural. They see no other difference, right? I mean, they go with the lowest price and that, you know, so that's why we say, and so unless your last name is Walmart or amazon.com trying to make low price, your unique selling proposition is not a good way to do business. It's not productive, it's not profitable, and it's certainly not sustainable. So when you sell on price, you're basically seen as a commodity, right? When you sell on price, you're a commodity. When you sell on value, you're a resource. So the big thing is communicating value in such a way over and above the intrinsic value of the product or service itself it's making yourself and everything about the experience itself so valuable, so amazing, so immense that you're able to take price and the competition right out of the picture. I love that. So let's get tactical here Bob, because I, I can hear the people listening, especially on the sales team. Okay. I get value is important. Can you give some examples of what is a value, right? Because if somebody's selling software right now mm-hmm. and they say, well, our software generates leads or our software gets like, you know, emails going out. That's what our product does. How do I add value to somebody's? Can you give some examples? Sure. Well, let's first even again, go back to definitions and define value, right? Because price is a dollar figure. Price is a dollar amount. Value is the relative worth or desirability of a thing, of something to the end user or beholder. In other words, what is it about this thing, this product, service, concept, idea that brings so much relative worth or value to it that someone will willingly, in this case, exchange their money for it, okay? So if by and large, most products or services are the same and you've got to be that additional value, well, then the question, it's a good one that you ask, how do you do it, right? And so there are probably dozens, if not hundreds of ways to communicate this additional value, but they tend to come down to five, what we call elements of value. And those elements are excellence, consistency, attention, 
empathy and appreciation. And to the degree that you, and when I say you, I mean you and your entire team from the person who answers the phone to the person who, you know, handles it, whatever it happens to be. And from that very first time you meet that person, whether it's online or whether it's offline or uh, into the, as you're building the relationship and into the sales process and the referral process and the follow, the follow through that, what have you, to the degree that you can communicate one or more, hopefully all five of these elements of value and every touch point, well, that's the degree to which you have totally distinguished yourself in the market. I love that. I, you know, and this again, I, having done like 300 plus episodes now, I think things are just connect because now I can see patterns of things. And this now reminds me of what Jay Bear. I love Jay. Yeah. Jay is incredible. He's an investor in Terminus as well. A good friend, like a lot of connections there. And he said something to me on one of the episodes is that with every touch point, you are either building your brand or you're crushing your brand. Mm. There's no same mm. level mm. at all. There's no neutrality in anything. If, yeah. if people think that my, so when, you, when you're a salesperson and then you just say, checking in email, or do you have five minutes to you know, talk to me or you know, goodbye email in a, in a kind of great, all those things, if you think that, ah, whatever, no, it's not whatever. The, nobody will ever tell you that as a customer, mm-hmm. building your, your personal and your company's brand, or you're actually crushing your company. Yep. Oh, I, I couldn't agree more. Absolutely. And it's those little things, you know, it's, you know, it's funny. There was a, a, a book years ago, a book series by Dr. Richard Carlson called Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. And, and the theme in the context he meant it was that, you know, there's when things happen that really isn't a big deal, you know, we tend to sweat it when really we shouldn't. But what Harvey McKay, whose series Swim with the Sharks Without Being Eaten Alive, and he was a, he's a legendary, you know, business person out of the Twin Cities in Minnesota. What he said is, in business, those who sweat the small stuff get the sale. Yeah. And, you know, so it's two, of course, two different contexts. Yes. But absolutely, sweat the small stuff when it comes to that. Make sure people understand that you're seeing them as a human being, not as a number. Yeah. Love that. All right. Here's the last point that I wanted to get your thoughts on. And this was so much fun to watch your keynotes. So if somebody's listening to it, you should look for Bob Berg and look at his mastermind keynote. And he did an amazing job on, on talking about networking. And I think you had a whole like pitch about <laughs> that, like, well, what is networking and what it is not? Did you share that a little bit when people think about networking? Well, I mean, you know, and, and what's so funny about it when you think of it, when you think of it is that it, by now the term has been around for so long and there were so many people who do a great job teaching it. You'd think people would really kind of know what it is and know what it isn't. Yet you walk into any kind of gathering and you still people still see people who look like the, who act like the stereotypical, you know, networking sales guy, right? You know, that person who kind of works the crowd. And a backhand, slap hands, grab hand, shakes hands, sticks a business card aggressively into everybody's face and says things like, hey, give me a call, cut you a deal. Or, you know, if you or somebody know needs a witch who's he, feel free to call anytime, anyway, any day, any place, anyhow, right? Or the old, hey, let's do lunch. And of course, that's, you know, that's not networking. I don't know what that is, but it's totally not network. And it's so ineffective. And it just, you know, pains me when people think that is networking. Because of course, people see that and say, well, I can't, I don't want to do that. Of course not. Who would? So what networking really is, and again, this is by definition, by my definition, whether it's the, it's not necessarily the only definition, but how I see it, networking is simply the cultivating of mutually beneficial give and take or give and receive 
win-win relationships. When done correctly, when done with a focus on the give part, when done with a genuine, authentic caring for and about the other person, now you're creating the environment for a great relationship. to be. Love that. All right. So I took like now three pages of notes. Oh, on this one. Thank you. So I'm going to yeah. summarize with like maybe one or two or three big ideas. And then Bob, I would love for you to share a challenge for every single leader listening. What is the one thing or an action that they could, they should take? So first takeaway for me is this idea that you started off with, which is shifting your focus from getting to giving. And and you very clearly define that you're shifting your focus, not everything that you do. And giving means giving of value to be very clear as to what that means. So shifting your focus from getting to giving. I love, love that. The other part, which I think I've heard before, but I think you took it to the next level, which is facts tell, stories sell. Facts tell, stories sell. But even better is that stories actually connect with people and they stick and they remember. And that's why best movies and everything, they're all stories that, that we all remember. So that's, that's really cool. This is something for, I think, everyone, not just for salespeople, but I, I feel like in some way, shape or form, we're all in sales, right? We sure, absolutely. sell our ideas to other people. We try to sell our projects and initiatives. So I think it, it applies to everybody. You said something that I think is really important and I hope people kind of soak in, which is we don't buy things from people because they're nice or they're just cutting us a great deal. We're buying things from people because it's going to make us do our job better, faster, efficient, all those things, right? You're going to make me look better in my own organization or whatever that means. So this idea that, you know, don't just be a nice person and if being nice is not equal to giving. That's, I think a lot of people mistakenly think that it is being nice is just being nice, which all of us should be. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, like it's it's a given, it's like table stick. So, so that's that. And the last one, Oh, I love that. Is you know, sweating over the small things and not sweating small things. Well, you know what? There are things, you know, don't take your, your yourself too seriously, like your life, you know, it's one life, just live it well. But at the same time, sweat about the small touch points that you have with your customers and love your it. future customers. That matters a lot. So I'm sure there were more takeaways from this, Bob, but I felt like those were the top ones for me. What's the one big kind of challenge you want to share with everybody listening? Well, I think it goes back to, you know, what we were discussing about focusing on the other person and about what Dr. Stanley had said. And, and really what I would suggest is that you not try and deny your self-interest because self-interest is a human trait. It's human nature. We are self-interested. So rather than try and forego or deny your self-interest, if you have to, just kind of put it to the side temporarily. Mm. Suspend it temporarily. Because to the degree you can to the degree you can do that and you can put your focus where it belongs on your prospective customer or on your customer, your clients, those you're serving, that's the degree that you're gonna help them and you're gonna help you and your company and the economy and everyone. So, you know, it's not thinking you have to be something you're not. Just yeah. suspend it. But what's gonna happen is as you start doing this, now you're going to see first how great it really feels to know that your focus is on other people and that you're taking care of other, and you're going to see the results, the great results from it. And now it's going to become a natural, authentic part of it. 100%. I love that. Just suspend it. You don't have to be something, someone different. Suspended. Bob, 
Thank you so much and hope to see you soon at the Outbound Conference. I can't wait. I can't wait. Thanks for having me on your show. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.